Hello and welcome to the Eastman's Predator Pros podcast. I am your host, Jeff Nimnick. Great to be back on the mic with you guys. Got another episode here for you with my good buddy, Rick Paulette. Uh For those that follow along, uh, you may remember here back at the first part of January, I was down in Kansas in kind of Rick's stomping grounds and we filmed a thermal hunt uh, for The Last Stand. Um, those are out right now on YouTube. Um, if you're interested in checking those out, go to the Lucky Duck YouTube page. Um, I believe it's Season 4, Episode 7 and 8. Um, but either way, wanted to get Rick on here and just kind of visit about thermal hunting in general. A little bit about our hunt, um, just a little bit about the equipment we were using, some of the tactics, and just you know his thoughts and my thoughts just on thermal hunting in general. You know, It's not something we do a lot of. Him and I both kind of got started in the thermal game here. Uh, you know, just in the last couple seasons, uh, st we're still primarily day hunting guys, you know, probably 90, at least myself, 90% or more of, of the hunting I do is in the daytime. Rick, you know, he might night hunt a little bit more, um, but, uh, but hopefully we'll uh, throw some stuff out there that'll get you thinking. Maybe if you're in the market and, and looking at some, you know, getting into the thermal game, maybe you just started kind of, you know, what, you know, how we did a couple years ago, or who knows, maybe you've been doing it a ton and have more knowledge than we do, but either way. Uh, I'm sure it'll be entertaining uh, with Rick on here. But before we get going, I need to take a minute to thank this episode's sponsor, which is Sig Sauer Optics. Now, I switched over here uh, earlier, you know, in the season. I just finally got the scope mounted up. You know, I'm shooting a Sierra 6 BDX. It's a 5 to 30 by 56. So, you know, when I transitioned over from the loophole, I shot lots of magnification. So that's what I wanted. So I was, I was pleased to, f to find out that they offered up uh, the magnification that I wanted. Now, the cool part about this system is is the BDX system, and that's that Bluetooth system that allows me uh, my my rangefinder binoculars, or if you just have a regular rangefinder, communicate with the scope. Um, so, you know, I went out and shot it. I've only shot it out to 350 yards so far. Um, haven't had a whole lot of time to work on that, but I can tell you tell you this. You know, I went through, entered my ballistic profile on the uh, the BDX app, um, and then started connecting everything via Bluetooth so that the app downloads my information into my range finding binoculars and then via bluetooth my range finder binoculars download all that info into my scope so as uh when i have my scope turned on um in the bluetooth function and i shoot a range with my binoculars a red dot instantly comes up um on the crosshair um, down on the the vertical part underneath the the horizontal crosshair which shows me exactly where my hold is at that range like I said, I haven't had a chance to test it out far, and, uh, super far. You know, the other day I was sitting on a coyote stand, um, and there was a porcupine out there. Um, and, and at the end of the stand, the, coy the porcupine was still there. So um, I ranged it. It was right at 350. I thought, you know what, this is a good chance to test this out. Um, so I uh, got the Bluetooth turned on, shot the range, dot instantly came up. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of wind that I had to deal with, so I just held the dot right on the porcupine, and, and sure enough, it smoked him right in the shoulder. Um, and I thought, you know what, if I can kill a porcupine at 350, that ought to be, uh, you know, good enough for a coyote. So haven't shot it farther than that, but my uh, early indications are, you know, it's going to be great. I, it's just something I need to spend a little more time on, um, but I'll definitely fill you in on, uh, you know, how that all works down the road. But, uh, you know, if you are interested in looking at in looking at this setup, you know, for a little, you know, mid-range shooting, um, some of those longer shots that we do have at coyotes, something that's fast and, and will get you on target quick, um, you know, you can check out that entire line at uh, SigSauer.com. Well, Rick, great to have you back on the podcast, man. You bet. Thanks for having me. 
that's always fun. You know, you make things entertaining. So I got to have you on here as, as many times as possible. What are we going over today? <laughs> well, <laughs> we, we are going to talk about the fun we had last month when I was down with you in Kansas, when we uh, got to break out the thermals and uh, kick off the Kansas thermal season. Sounds good. That was a blast. <clears throat> so before we get into that specific hunt, how uh you been after it lately? I mean, been getting out a couple nights a week now, or how, how's that been working the last month or so? Mm, I've only been out maybe four or five times since then, but we got four or five, six coyotes every time, you know, and was home by midnight, one a.m. That's like the pre. That's like that's what we talked about a lot. Was that this night hunting is that it's pretty ideal to be able to run out for three or four hours, you know? And, yep. Uh, and get some get some killing in yeah i'm i'm busy you know selling calls and answering questions this time of the year and then cindy and i get everything done about you know seven or eight o'clock in the evening because she works a regular job so, so it, that that i like that because it lets me go pick up jason or whoever you know and go hit a few stands and back home i don't go to bed till midnight anyway if i do i just lay there awake anyway so hell i like it well, yeah. And then realistically, if you think about it, I mean, if you'd have went out for a half a morning, you know, for a morning or an afternoon during the day in January, what were your chances of ever killing four to six coyotes in a morning or an afternoon in January? Probably pretty slim around <laughs> here unless I went, went way out. You know what I mean? That would yeah, be pretty yeah. tough around here. Unless, you know, you get, you get on the right side of a storm coming in, you know how that is. You can, you can, have some good success but generally it's going to be if i get a couple of coyotes on a morning hunt quit it a little before noon i'm happy with that oh yeah six two coyotes maybe three well it seems like two at night you don't you're not so dependent on that kind of you know waiting on a, a good bit of weather or something like that it seems like at night the coyotes are generally moving pretty good would you agree I would definitely agree. We see coyotes every, you know, every time we go out. The only thing that I'm starting to struggle with a little bit is like last Saturday, picked up Jimmy and we went where, with a guy that, you know, some place we ain't been and they, they knew the land and how to, where we wanted to set. Cause I'd never been there before. And you know how that is with the night. If you don't have any idea the way the land lays, it's kind of, a little more difficult but anyway so we it's a full full blown full moon and the first stand the uh, pair answered us and i could see him about a half mile away and i turned on spit and piss or i don't remember what it was and they'd come tearing in there and they got about 250 out and they just they they saw us so plain as day and i struggled we called in several coyotes that saw us and for me the part i like about the night hunting is just pulling out in the middle of nowhere and you know what i mean not having to worry about hiding but when it i'm thinking you know when it's a full moon like it is that you, you got to get you got to almost go back to doing it like you do in the daytime well yeah you know we even had to do that a little bit when we were we were there in january you know we were trying to find some hay and there wasn't what well, it was a new moon i think there wasn't hardly any moon at all yeah, but we had that snow the first night, so that made it a little lighter. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, I wish there was some, I wish there was some way we could like see really how good coyotes could see, you know, I mean, you know, we know how well we can see when there's a full moon and we know coyotes can see yeah. way better. I, you know, I wonder if there's ever been any scientific experiments done, you know, you think that's impossible uh, where you could like pull out coyotes eyeball out of a, a carcass of a coyote yeah. and they shine some light through it and they figure out really how good they can see. Yeah. You can read up. I've read up about it, you know, in the past and I, I think, but I ain't a hundred percent sure and don't quote me, but I think that in the night they can see five times better than we can in the night. So if it's a full moon, that's probably like daytime for them. Oh well, yeah. Yeah. Five that's times it. better. Don't quote me. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I, you know, <laughs> I took the book, I took my middle son Carver out last night. A buddy of mine had a feedlot over here, uh, you know, East of where we live. And I borrowed a ground blind, uh, from one of my buddies. And, you know, we thought it'd be fun to kind of just set this ground blind up on this, this dead pile, you know, they call it where they throw the dead carcasses and stuff, yep. you know, and sit there for three or four hours and see how we can, you know, how many we can kill. Well, my buddy, the plan was to get the blind out a few days early, you know, so the coyotes kind of get used to it maybe, but he didn't have a chance to get it out till yesterday afternoon. So we had, it was amazing. You know, the coyotes saw, you know, we had it tucked in some weeds yeah. and things like that. And I was amazed the coyotes that were, would start working their way in and they just looked at us, you know, they just could see this damn blind over there and they knew it was just something out of the ordinary, you know? Yep. Makes you, you have makes to you leave, it there, leave it there for a week or so. And then they wouldn't even look at it when they came in. If we weren't going to have like 50 mile an hour winds, I would have, but it wasn't mine, you know, last thing I wanted, <laughs> you know, leave <laughs> blind out there, have to buy somebody's blind from him, you know? Yep. <laughs> uh, yep. It definitely bright out it's a full blown moon i was everybody was trying to get me to go out last night you know because i got all the gear and nobody you know and that's the other thing about the thermal it's it's expensive that stuff you know so oh yeah everybody hey, rick, call rick get him over here we got coyotes <laughs> and bring everything yeah <laughs> well which i like it you know Oh yeah. Yeah. As long as you get to keep your good stuff and you start passing the rest yep. of that stuff down to everybody, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. That's right. That's what I've been doing. Well, and let's, if you can't shoot, you're going to be running the binoculars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You get to shoot till you miss. Once you screw up and chip shot, no, nope, you're back yep. in the bus. Yep. <laughs> um, well, well, let's get into our hunt a little bit, you know? So if, if people have found, if watched it so far, you know, those episodes started, you know, launching on the, on the YouTube channel there for the last stand. I think their episodes uh, seven and eight of season four was our thermal hunt down in Kansas. Um, you know, let's just give a little background on kind of that hunt in general, you know, Kansas opened up a thermal season, you know, last year for the first time it runs January 1st through the end of March. Um, after the success you had last year and all the all the people we get talking about, Hey, you guys should do some thermal hunt. You should film some thermal hunt. You know, we kind of talked this and through and threw some ideas back and forth. And we decided, you know what, we're going to try to put out a, a video doing this. And, you know, some of the challenges we faced were obviously recording at night is a huge thing. You know, a lot of these thermals have recording devices um, built into them, but we also wanted to use the big, you know, 4k, 6k cameras that we use during the film, you know, during the daytime, which kind of threw some kinks in it. Um, you know, with the lighting and things like that, but how, how do you feel, you know, you've seen the first episode. Have you seen the first one yet? Do you watch any yep, of that? Yep, how, how do you yep. think, how do you think that turned out, man, with what we were trying to accomplish with, you know, using thermal to film, using the other cameras, 
What are your thoughts on that? I thought it turned out awesome. I really, I usually only watch an episode once and I keep, I keep rewatching this one and, and like Jason shooting that runner. I can't believe he got a runner and I, <laughs> you know, and it, it, I don't know. I thought it turned out pretty good, especially with you, you know, on your full moon pushing record and, and I need to, I need to be able to do that too. And I full moon like yours and that with a big lens but i keep i can't mentally tell myself to push record i don't know how long it's going to take me to do that i don't know why i can't <laughs> remember that <clears throat> you know what's funny about that is i've had that scope now for a couple seasons and i i did during that hunt when we were filming i did a really good job of hitting record but like any other time i'm out just fun hunting I'm the same way. I totally forget to push the damn button, you know, to record anything, you know, but luckily maybe I was locked in. During that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why I'm not that concerned about it when we're just out screwing around, but no, yeah, that, yeah. that your, your stuff shooting at the runners, you know, that really, I, I like that. That that's good. Yeah. You know, it was cool. You know, there's a, there's a ton of thermal stuff out there on, on YouTube, obviously, you know, guys recording, but it's a lot of kill shots, you know, and, and which are cool. Um, but we were hoping to maybe incorporate the entire hunt, you know, trying to get some of that B roll and showing us walking in and out of stands and setting up and, you know, talking and communicating and, and things like that. And I think that's really what came through. You know, I think what a lot of people are liking about it is, is the fact that it is a little bit different. It's just not a kill shot reel of, you know, clips yeah. off their, off their thermal units, you know, so. Mm -hmm. Yep. Oh. Nope. Everybody everybody's that I've talked to or has commented to me about it is thought it was awesome. So yeah, as many thermal hunters is out there right now. I think I figured it'd be pretty popular video, you know? Yep. But we're just a couple of noobs when it comes to the thermal game, you know? So yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> well, next year, I, you my know, favorite, hey, my favorite part about it is, seeing them you know and not having them having them stand out in the open and howling at me and because they're around here they're they're not vocal in the daytime you know hardly ever and then they them suckers they howl like crazy especially if you're kind of in that 400 yard bubble if they get teed off you know and they, i just it's kind of more like when i we're out with tr where you can see them you know what they're doing and scratching and pissing and you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, I just yeah. don't, I don't get to see that in the daytime ever around here. Hardly. Well, what I really like too, is, is it gives you a lot better idea of really how far coyotes are when you hear them howl, you know, in the daytime you hear these coyotes howl and, yeah. and you, you think, Oh, those coyotes have got to be 400 yards. And realistically, they're probably 800 yards. You know what I'm saying? It just sounds yep. that closer, but at night you get, you hear those coyotes, but then you actually get to see where they come from. You're like, Oh, wow. That coyote, look, mm. those coyotes were way farther than I thought, you know? Um, yep. So yep. it kind of gives you an idea, you know, that you can kind of translate that into the day hunting when, when something does howl back and you're like, ah, oh, it's just too far. I need to go get in there a little closer or whatever it may be to, to get them, you know? Yep. But I'll tell it's you what. Funny. It's funny when like, since you've been out, been out four or five more times, you know, and when they, that is the one most conversation when they howl, when they answer me, everybody's looking at each other where are they at how far you know what i mean it's like that's what we're trying to figure out is how, where oh, are yeah. they at 
Yeah, that's one of those things. You could have 10 coyote hunters standing there listening to that, and you would ask all 10 of them how far that coyote <laughs> was, and they'd all get you'd have yeah. 10 different answers, probably. <laughs> yeah, I think you would. Or the the when they're not where we any direction that we're looking, you know, they're like off to the left or maybe behind us, even. We're all everybody's doing a scramble, getting the line in the right <laughs> spot. Oh, yeah. I, can't move around like that in the daytime you know too much not like you do in the night but yeah 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 we had, a, we had a hunt we had a couple of them like that when we were filming where all of a sudden they howled over here and it's like oh crap you know and we're all moving and yeah, <laughs> yeah you said reshuffling yep. the the firing line you know <laughs> yep yep you know next year though i tell you what we're we're gonna do this again um obviously we got a lot of kinks we worked out just from the filming side and production side of trying to do this you know you know we lost some footage you know, we were filming with that Pulsar Accolade 2 uh, that you have. That was kind of the main thermal. And we'll get into more equipment here in, here in a little bit. But, you know, we were using that as the main camera that Seth, the camera guy, was running. You know, and we lost some clips. Um, I don't know if they yeah. ever did ever find those or not, you know. But you I, know, I, don't, I don't think they did. I even had my son-in-law is kind of a, kind of a hacker, kind of. A, he knows, I mean he's just good at that stuff and he can he couldn't recover them and i'm that teed me off because that one where i missed that one and then he started running at us and i shot i saw an explosion oh, look like a water balloon blowing up in front yeah. of him you know <laughs> yeah i i'm sure that one ain't gonna be on this next episode but i still when sometimes when i go to bed i picture that balloon <laughs> blood blow up <laughs> well i'll tell you what next year we got a few few things up our sleeve we're going to try to make this even better um so i'm excited so if you if you've watched these on youtube and thought they're good well we're, we're just we're just in the infancy stages of filming this thermal stuff so we'll put out some even better stuff next year that's for sure for the I mean, first time ever doing it, i think it turned out pretty dang good really yeah yeah for sure definitely definitely so let's get into our equipment a little bit you know i've been getting a ton of questions about that you know we're not you and I aren't sponsored really by any thermal people really, you know, that their thermals don't sponsor show. We're just basically using the thermals that we think are the best that we can afford. I mean, would you agree? I mean, pretty much you're in. Yep. 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 Yeah. You I know. Would agree. You know, so, you know, I'll, I'll start off with what I'm using. Um, you know, I have a Trigicon, um, Mark two 35 millimeter. And, and although it is a scope, I use it just as a spotter. So I, I basically hook that thing on a bino harness and it just hangs on my chest. Um, and obviously that's a, that's a more of a high Trigicon's obviously a higher end, you know, that's a six or $7,000 thermal. Um, but when I got into the thermal game, I knew I wasn't going to do it a lot. And, and I'm sure you were in the same boat, you know, where uh, you're not going to be yeah. out every single night doing this day hunting still primarily what we're going to do. So I knew I needed something. I needed a scope to sh a thermal scope to shoot that was as close to my day scope as I possibly could get. And, you know, that's where I talked to, uh, you know, Warren Offenberg, buddy of mine I've known for a long time. Uh, he has a line of thermals called Full Moon Optics. And, and what I liked about it is they had a built-in rangefinder, and it had a little more zoom. So that Full Moon Optics Genesis 75 I use is a base 5.5 power, and then it'll double to 11, and I can double it again to 22. Um, you know, obviously the processor is not as good as a Trigicon, you know, this is maybe a, uh, you know, five to $6,000 scope. Um, but you know, what I liked about it was the clarity is still pretty decent, uh, but you have that range finder in there. And if you've done yeah, anything and, at night and the camera, 
And it ha- yeah, and it has a built-in camera, you know. So now I can get to that a 10, 11 power, which is what I keep my day scope on um, all the time. So I wanted something, especially shooting running coyotes at night. Um, you know, I wanted to be able to get it into 11 power, and then my leads and things like that are still pretty similar, you know, as far as my sight picture goes in my scope. So um, that's kind of was my reasoning bef- behind what I went, you know, with. I mean, crazy story is, I mean, this, like you mentioned earlier, this stuff's expensive. Uh, I didn't have 12 grand laying around to buy thermal. So I went through the gun safe and <laughs> I think I got rid of about seven ARs and sold off a four wheeler to a fork, you know, a couple, couple pieces of thermal here, you know, but, uh, uh, kind of like the second time I went to Alaska, I had a 68 Chevelle SS three six and a 68 firebird that I bought when I was in high school. I sold both them to go to Alaska one time. <laughs> to get a goose egg right yeah to get a goose egg and <laughs> after this after i shot this giant bear this time i told cindy i was going back because they got a better place where i can try to call one in and she said how are you ever going to afford that i said i'll rob the jewelry store if i got to <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i like the full moon too now i got i've just got one that bigger lens one that trigicon i'm not even using it anymore because i don't like having to nuke that thing and it don't have like you said it don't have a rangefinder or camera, so I'm I'm using one just like you got now the full moon. So for the people Max that are not listening, going to come out with a six forty two. That's what I'd heard too. But for everybody that's not familiar with nuking it, you know, so some of these scopes, you you have to, you know it's got a setting where you have to refresh the image every, every so often. Some of the scopes do it on their own. I, I think like the full moon do, do it on their own. I think the pulsars do it on their own, but these trigicons, you got to, every time you got to, your, your image will start to get grainy, you know, and you got to close the lens cap. You got to scroll down and you're right. It is kind of a pain in the butt to do it, you know, but it seems like a lot of the higher end scopes, you know, seem, seem like you have to nuke them. At least what I've seen. Yeah, I, that's the only one like it I got. All the rest of, you know, that Pulsar, it does it on its own in the full moon. But I just, I got, I just, I like the the clarity of the thing for sure. But no, I'm, my guys, like Jimmy and Jason, you know, the guys and J- some of my friends that I kind of go with more, they're figuring out that I don't have a rangefinder, and I'm the one always you know how me and you kind of try to pop them out from underneath each other you know well so my brother jason he absolutely when i say how far how far and my dad he can't figure out how to push the right button to tell me the range on the (laughs) binoculars so so them guys they've quit telling me how far so i'm waiting there and then they start they start shooting them before you know and i'm asking for yardage so i'm i'm not gonna have a thermal that don't have a rangefinder on it anymore because <laughs> <laughs> so i can't tell i can't tell if they're 50 yards or 200 that's weird i don't understand why why that is the depth perception is so screwed up there for me yeah, Maybe, it, i don't know if it's for everybody or just me yeah i mean i i can tell you how many times i've been out and i've seen something out there and i'm looking at it and i'm like man that's a, i think it's a coyote out there at like two three hundred yards you know and it ends up yeah. being a rabbit in the damn grass at 50 yards. You know what I'm saying? You know, yeah. and that's yep. like, it's like, well, yeah. the, the last time we went out, 
there's a pair of cotton. The ones that, that busted us when they got in there, you know, and, and Jim said, said when they were running hard right at us said they're 250 250 and i'm like they ain't, they ain't 250 they're like still quarter mile out there and they may they if you would have been with us we probably would have got one you know but they, it all happened so fast and i i didn't believe the yardage that they were saying and then then there was a little roll of a terrace you know that all i could just see was their part of, you know their head and a little bit of their back when they come by us there and it just it all happened so fast and i was teed off because we educated a couple of coyotes and <laughs> didn't even fire a shot it's kind of chaotic and fun oh yeah yeah so so you have a the trigicon you're running you have the the mark 3 60 millimeter right the bigger yep. the biggest one they make um yep and you would say out of all you every thermal you have it image wise it's probably the best if you yeah, just look at nothing but definitely image wise but i but that full moon 60 like you got it's not it's it's dang good i wonder if that's because of the it's already tight zoomed in more you know what i mean so is that why it looks good well you know i was talking to warren about that and he mentioned something about like you know if you look at a trigicon or you know and let's say they have a base a magnification of three and a half power okay well Yep. And it's a 640 image or whatever. Um, and then you take like a full moon optics that's a 380 image, but it's a fixed five and a half power. So by the time you try to get that Trigicon up to that five and a half or six power, you're having to double it. And, and yep. as you well know, once once you double that Trigicon, the image starts to get grainy fast, you know. Yep. So, yep. you know, what he, what he was explaining to me is if you just looked at the actual magnification base powers, you know, the full moon optics on its five and a half power might have as good or a better image than the Trigicon at its, you know, at its, you know, six, six or seven power, you know, as you double it once, you know? So I think that's yep. maybe has something to do with it too. I also have some burst stuff and I like it. It's good. There's nothing wrong with it. It all functions good. And for the price, I think it's, you know, it's a good, it's a good scope the 50 is what i got and i have a smaller one that i use for a scanner i like a pair of binoculars for some i don't there's something about whole, trying to do one eye and then when i take it off my eye my other eye is still it's like my <laughs> eye screwed up you know what i'm talking oh, yeah, about yeah yeah so when i'm looking through the binoculars i don't have that problem with one eye working and the other one not i don't know it's weird you know, I was pretty impressed with that Pulsar. What are those Pulsar Accolade two binoculars you have? Yep. Mm -hmm. I, I, I really like that. You know, I had a, I did a guided hunt here with some guys, you know, a few weeks after, you know, we were down there with you and that guy had, had the same set, you know, and, and he really liked them as well. And man, those, cause those have a built-in range finder, right. And they record. Yep. And they, yep. Yeah. I was pretty impressed. And what are the, what are those run? Those about mid five. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I think they're, I can't remember. I've had it for a couple of years. Yeah, it's I did I did some horse trading and this and that, you know, yeah, kind of yeah. like we do to get that kind of stuff. Yeah, so I, I mean, if anybody's listening to this and and kind of in the market hasn't really got into thermal, you know, in my experience of what I've seen so far, if you only have three thousand dollars to spend on a thermal, I would save your money until you got enough to spend five. 
Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. But some guys ain't never going to be able to do that. You know, I, I don't know. Like I said, the, I have on that Valkyrie, a Burris and the guys shoot it, kill coyotes just as good as I do or anybody else with the other ones that I got. So I don't know. How is that what that Burris that. is? Is that Burris in that 3000 range? Yeah. Like 2,800, 2,800, somewhere in there. Yeah, I like to, you know, I haven't looked through all of them. I've, <clears throat> beings what I have and what you have and some I've, other guys I've been around and looked through their stuff. It seems to me like obviously all thermal works, you know, it, it's all going to pick yeah. up thermal images. It's just a matter yeah. of can, is it at 200 yards? Is it a rabbit? Is it a deer? <laughs> is it a coyote? Is it a, yeah. you know? Well, like that very last one that Jimmy shot, I don't know if it'll be on the second episode, but that, you 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 wouldn't know for sure what that was with a two thousand dollar thermal that coyote. Oh, that know, mangy that, one. We thought it was a raccoon for the longest time because yep. it was kind of hunched up, yep. acting kind of weird and stuff. You know. Yep. 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 You wouldn't know what that was. And my dad here. Here's this. Here's another example of not knowing what you're shooting at. My dad's got a blue healer. You've seen it in the yard before. Oh yeah. He said. That thing, I told him, I said, you need to lock that thing up. We're going to be hunting. We're going to be called. This was last winter below the house. <clears throat> he don't, that dog, that dog don't leave the yard. You know that. That's what my old man said. We go, we go down below his house with a the thermal down there and start calling. And I wasn't playing vocals yet. I, I mean, I was, but I had Scooby snack or something on and I saw I saw it come out of his yard and came clear to the call and I told everybody don't even don't even <laughs> think about it because it's the old man's dog and I could tell plain as day and Jason could with the full moon but until that that blue healer looks just like a coyote I'm telling you same features and the only way a guy would know if he didn't know that was my old man's dog is with a higher dollar thermal or when he turned sideways you could see he didn't have a tail you know you know what i mean yeah because oh, yeah. he's a bob-tailed dog well yeah you, he you looks know, a, a blue healer decoy and, dog with those thermals you know you you know like yeah. you know colton gillum seth simpson those guys that do a ton of night hunting and use dogs a lot you know they're using their dogs at night yeah you know and yeah, I mean it's pretty important to when you yeah. got a couple dogs and going I, around out there with a couple coyotes. When he got in there, you know, in the shooting range, I could see the collar because it was, you know, what I mean. That showed up different than obviously than just the fur. You you could tell, but I could see how somebody could accidentally shoot a farm dog that comes into the call. Got to be careful about that crap. Well, then another thing too, you know, we called in a couple bobcats, and obviously bobcats were off limits, you know, at night with the thermal. You know, mm -hmm. and yeah, I could see, you know, we knew pretty instantly, you know, with what we had that, hey, th this is a cat, you know, okay. Yeah, yeah you know, you, you're in country of that and, you know, you don't want to be mistakenly shooting, uh, you know, bobcats when you think they're coyotes and, and things like nope. that. We, nope, but I would say with the cheaper stuff, that happens. Yeah, I would almost bet there's probably some deer and some other things that get shot too, man. Just because I even look mm -hmm. with even our good stuff, how it's not unheard no. of we mistake stuff you know but we're obviously not shooting but there for a few seconds where you're thinking thinking it's a coyote and then then you finally realize but yeah if you had a little 
some of that lower end so stuff. So why, why is it then that it, we are all got the thermal? Why is the lights and the red lights and the infrared? I've never used the other stuff, so I don't know. I have guys ask me, say, ah, oh, you guys get so many coyotes. We've got, we can't afford the thermal, so we got, I don't know if they're, they got a scope that's, what's the other way that people are doing it then? Well, they're using lights, you know, um, the, the old just way, you know. Just doing it that way. There's scopes. There, what's an infrared or a night? Okay, night vision. No, night vision, what's that? yep. What's so that? Night, night vision is using the, the light that's out there, the light coming from the stars, the light coming from the moon, um, and it's amplifying that. You know, that's the images that are kind of green. If you've ever seen night, you know, it's kind of greenish. Yeah, yeah yep, you know, yep. and they, you can put an IR floodlight or an IR spotlight or an IR flashlight on your rifle and it shines this IR light out there, which then the night vision scope picks, picks up that light, but the coyotes can't see it. Um, so it, it enhances everything, makes it brighter. Um, the problem with that is you still can't see, you know, we can see a coyote coming across the field at 500 yards with that thermal coming, you know, I have used some night vision over the years and that was always the problem is you couldn't, you couldn't see every now and then you'd see a reflection off their eyes in that if you had an IR light shining, their eyes would light up and you would see that in the night vision scope. So you could tell they were coming, but target identification <laughs> was way harder. It seemed like to me until things got close enough to shoot. Um, yep. but I don't know. Technology's probably come a long ways in that night vision too. You know, this has been six or eight years since I've used any of it, you know, and it wasn't, that's great, but uh, I, yeah, it's hard to beat thermal. Um, yeah, if you're going to yep. spend some money, I I didn't know. I I've never used any of the other stuff or know anything about it, so I didn't know. Yeah, and I'm sure there's still a lot of guys using lights. You know, I I just tried the lights a few times over the years. I don't know if you've ever been around that, but I just never had great luck with trying to use lights and things like that. Nope, nope never have. You know, but. I did a podcast here just uh, with that Wade Chandler uh, talking about Texas hunting and how they use the lights and, you know, the higher racks and stuff like that. And, you know, they, yeah. a lot of those guys still prefer to use lights down there over, over thermal just because they can see so much better. They can, and they, and they have more light, you know, their theory is the more light, the better, almost you're blinding the coyote with so much light that they can't see what's behind the light. You know, it's almost like right. a yeah. camouflage kind of a deal. So it's, uh, it's, unique um you know way to look at it so they're 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 turning the light they're like flipping the switch and turning it into daytime yeah like they're that using stadium light. caliber lights like they have yeah. you know around their chairs they'll have three or four or five of these stadium lights that are so bright um that i mean it makes it look like it's daylight out there but the coyote can't see past those lights you know so they can't see mm -hmm. you know the truck they can't see anything behind them it almost blinds the the coyotes and the cats. Um, and that's why they, you know, they come in so great. Cause you know, they don't know any better cause they can't see. Yep. I've seen some of that footage where it's looks like daylight. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty interesting stuff. So with uh, another, no, Hey, if there was a negative about this night hunting for me, it would be all the crap and all the stuff you got to pack around and the tripods. I was kind of wondering about, just taking my seat and my swagger qd42 right yeah like especially on this full moon deal if we would have just been standing there scanning and when we saw them like i'm talking about them two coyotes that busted us right if we would have dropped down in our seats put our gun on or you know what i mean 
I wonder if that would work better in the full moon or not. I think, I think it definitely would, you know, those guys I had out on a hunt here a few weeks ago doing, they do a lot of thermal from up in North Dakota and they, they sit down and shoot off their swaggers, um, all the time. They don't even use tripods hardly at all. And they say it's because that same fact is that you're, you're not so obvious standing out there. The coyotes don't pick you out as, as fast. Yep. Yep. I was, we were talking about that Saturday that if we would just brought our seats and had our guns on the swagger and stand and scan. And then as soon as we see some committed drop down and I don't know, but the yeah. fun, that's what I like the fun of it is when it's dark, 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 just pull, I've called them, had them run right by the pickup <laughs> yeah. and get shot, you know? So that's a big, that makes a big difference if there's any moon or, or dark. Yep. Yep. You know, as far as the, you know, tripods and stuff go, um, you know, I'm just running, I have this old man Frodo tripod that I had that's weighs about 50 pounds. I had it back from a DVD, DVD filming days, you know? And I just bought yeah. a, I don't know, some Grim Reaper, I don't know, hog saddle or something. And it screwed right onto the top. That's all I'm using. But you, you bought some specific tripods with those Swiss Arca mounts, right? For yep. that you run. I did. I did the, I got a couple of different ball heads. One of them's a Faisal, man. I don't know the model or none of that business. And I don't I think they're both. I don't know. You don't want me to get up and look, do you? Real no, fast or no. Faisal seems like the one that I've been using. And I don't remember the the tripod. Is there a some kind of a carbon fiber, you know? Not the not real high dollar ones, but I'd say they were two fifty or three hundred bucks for the tripod and the ball head, the Faisal ball head was as much or more you know, I'm, I'm saying probably five or 600 in every tripod probably. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I like that Swiss Arca better than my hog saddle, you know, back when I got mine, I didn't even know that Swiss Arca deal, you know, or I probably yep. would have done it. You know, for those that don't know, you know, my hog saddle mount is just a couple, it's almost like vice clamps, you know, like a, you know, and, and you set your gun in yep. and you tighten it up and it, and it clamps down on each side of your rifle and holds it in place. The problem with that is, is, you know, it kind of gets bound up every now and then, you know, and it seems like it's tight, but it's not really. And then all of a sudden you let your gun go and all of a sudden the thing falls off the damn hog saddle. Or you said yeah. you even had that walking in and out and Jimmy dropped one oh, off yeah. the tripod, right? Yep. Yep. It, we, we had one of them hog saddles and I got rid of that when the gun fell out of it, when he was packing it in. <laughs> <laughs> but that I heard this. I heard this clump bang flopping around and I turned around. I was like that. I hope that wasn't that gun. And then I turned around. Yeah. It, it fell. It, and that it had that full moon on it, the smaller one. It didn't bother it any. It was still dead on, but <laughs> you don't ever want to see a gun fall out of a tripod. And no, not with ground. a $5,000 thermal mounted on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so on those Swiss arc mounts, Oh, go ahead. Oh, go on ahead. that Swiss Arsky mount, it's just a, it's just almost a little picatinny that you mount to your rifle, right? And then it just slides in that little mount and locks in, and you're you're all done. Yep, it's and they come. I don't know the mop brand, but they come. You know, just like a, just like you mount an extra rail on the bottom of your handguard. You know, it's already got the little screw. You just put it up there and tighten it up. It's pretty slick. Yeah, that was pretty, pretty slick deal. 
any other equipment, you know, uh, specific for thermal hunting. I think that's really about it. Everything else we're using the same stuff we're using, you know, pretty much in the oh, daytime. Yeah. Red headlights last year, everybody, when we'd get out, pile out of the truck, you know, all the, I'd get to the stand and the dome light would still be on in the pickup and dad, dad was walking was one of them 4,000 lumen hand hit flat. You know what I mean? It yeah, was like, yeah. and when we'd stop and set up, I'd see coyotes, you know, a lot of times they're out in the field when you're walking in, you get set up, you know, and there's one dinking around mouse and three, 400 yards away. And I noticed last year when we all had all these light, normal lights, you know, and handheld flashlights and, Everybody was trying to figure out how to put the turn to full moon, you know, half the time. We didn't know how to run the stuff for one thing. So we, I decided I read somewhere where they can't see red lights or that they don't notice it as much. So then I got everybody bought a bunch of them little headlights, all the same, you know, push the button on the right twice. And it's red when you get out of the truck. And that seemed to help me not spook them ones that were close you know so i i won't that's the only other thing i can think of as far as gear is i got everybody when they get out of the truck they better have a red light on and not no normal light yeah for sure you know i've heard of another set of an equipment-based stuff that i've i've heard of i haven't used it yet is when it comes to recovering coyotes you know at night you know, it's, it's yeah. not, it's not such a hard thing when you're shooting them out in dirt fields, you know, and stuff like that. But if you get in some pasture country and there's some grass or sagebrush or something like that, um, I've been wanting to do this, but I've had a couple guys tell me that they'll mount a, a laser on the side of their gun. And, you know, when they shoot that coyote, they'll lock their rifle in place on their tripod where that coyote's laying and they'll turn that laser on, on the side, you know, so that yep. laser laser shooting out to wherever that coyote is. And then they just kind of follow the laser out to where the coyote is and it helps you find it because i know out in my country i've i've spent 45 minutes looking for a coyote one night you know and he was yep. 150 yards from where we shot him and i could not find that coyote you know yep i've had that happen several times as well where we've shot him in the pasture and we're three or four of us are walking around with scanners trying to find the thing but yeah that that could be a good idea or Jason lately, I just been having him get in the back of the pickup. He's way elevated and standing up with the pulsar binoculars and he'll find them pretty quick when I just drive a circle out there. But yeah, I know, I know what you're talking about. I don't even like to go do it in a pasture just for the fact is they're hard to find. Oh yeah. You know, another thing we, we struggled with a little bit and kind of caught me off guard was the communication i figured you know in, in the daytime we use a lot of two-way radios and stuff like that um to communicate especially because in the daytime we're spread out more you know so it makes more sense but right. when we're talking about doing this at night and we're talking about oh we're just all going to be standing right next to each other you don't really think about communication being something you're going to have to deal with but it really it was it was a challenge yeah yeah it was for sure you know so i'm almost wondering next time we don't you know we don't use the same system or um, you know, how do you think that would work if we had, uh, you know, hooked into, into radios and stuff doing that? Yeah. You know, at night? I, I, I think we probably should do something because that you're right. That, that was that. And, and it is every, every time I go, I'm, I'm getting hard of hearing, you know, and when we take my old man, he really can't hear. 
so yeah that that when we're filming we probably should do that when i'm screwing around with my family or whatever i'm probably not going to um my problem when you guys were out was it was so cold i had this stocking cap pulled <laughs> yeah. over my ear you know what i mean and if you're hard of hearing already, the last thing you want to do is pull a stocking cap over your ears. So yeah, I we got it kind of got it figured out, I think, as the hunt the, the next night. Then we get better at it or yeah. I, I I was thinking about, you know, we probably only the only coyotes that, that might have cost us, and we still got one of them, when that pair of coyotes come right out of the corner of that field and they were hard right off your left, you were on the far left. Oh, oh and yeah, they were yeah, standing, yeah. they were standing there like 50 yards straight to your left. Yep. And, yep. uh, you know, I, I don't know if no, we'd have got both of them anyway, but we ended up getting one anyway. So you never know. I, you're right. I forgot about that. I probably mentally wanted to forget about it. <laughs> you know, when a pair shows up where you're supposed to be looking and you don't even know they're there. Yeah. That was, that was, that was bad. Well, you had the, you were running the remote. I mean, that's, I'm telling you, that's a skill set, man. Running the remote and trying to scan and doing all that at the same time. I mean, it takes, it's no easy task. You know, I was just sitting over there just running scanner. I didn't have to worry about running the remote. So I had it easy. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> I like running the remote. <laughs> so, you know, you and I talked about this a lot, the differences between day hunting, night hunting, um, you know, the fact that they move a lot, um, you know, time on stand is something that, you know, ever since this episode came out, I've had a few people reach out to me that do a lot of night hunting and they say they sit, they sit a lot longer at night than we were, you know, we were sitting there for 10, 12 minutes and we were using yeah. really, essentially we were using the same tactics that I use all the time. I, you're kind of in the same boat as far as time on stand that, you know, yep. I sit there for a long, long time in hopes that something maybe is going to show up late when we can go cover maybe twice as many stands in the day or in the night and hopefully kill that many more coyotes, you know, have you sat there long? Have you sat there 20, 30 minutes ever on a nightstand? Nope. I'm probably not going to either. Cause I just, that's the way I'm wired up and that's the way I'm going to hunt. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I don't know what's, especially with that thermal. I feel like I can see, you know, I I'm, I can see so much better. If there was one coming, I would see a little hot spot way out you know what i mean i'm i'm probably going to keep doing it just the way i'm doing it i mean i'm killing six or ten by midnight starting at seven or eight in the evening you know what i mean we sh probably should have had 30 some coyotes when you were out here so if what i'm doing is working i'm going to keep doing it i hear so many others howling so i want to hurry up and get to them before they move out of where they're at you know what i mean yeah it's almost like if the I, school of thought is those people, those people think those ones we're hearing howling at a mile, mile and a half are eventually going to make it all the way over to where we're calling. If we sat there for 30 minutes, you know, I don't know if not, that's what uh, they'd have where I live and how our land and roads are, they'd have to go by somebody's house and they'd have to cross a gravel. You know what I mean? I'm going to, I'm probably going to go ahead and make my, 12 minute stand and then i'm gonna hustle back to the truck and try to get to that next group right oh Before yeah or they because they're hunting they ain't gonna be there all night so i want to get in there before they get moved out of there well i like using math in coyote hunting you know it sounds crazy but you know you think about it 
we killed 11 coyotes one night and we killed 12 coyotes another night, you know? So I don't know if, if somebody came to me and said they're sitting on stands for 20, 25 minutes. I'd be curious to know if they ever killed that many coyotes in one night. Now, granted, there could be a lot of other factors involved in killing that many in a night, but you know, we were making what about 20 stands a night. Right. I mean, if I remember yep. right. Yep. Um, and that's hunting basically hour after it got dark all the way till the sun, you know, twilight started coming up. So right. the way I look at it, it took us, 20 stands to kill 12 coyotes and that was making 10 to 12 minute stands you know if we would have been doubling that making 20 to 25 minute stands we'd have maybe got in what 12 14 stands tops yeah that means we, we'd, we'd had to kill coyotes almost on every single stand all night long which is tough to do um consistently i just can't see i just don't you know in my mind and, and i look at probabilities and percentages and all that kind of stuff I just feel like if your main goal is to go out and kill as many coyotes as you possibly can, which is always my goal, probably yours too, right? I mean, yep. yeah, oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> I guess it should be anybody's goal. I'm not just going out to kill one and say it's good. I, I want to go kill as many as we possibly can and in the amount of time we have to hunt. So yeah, it's to me, it's just about probabilities and, um, you know, I just don't know if you'd ever get that many, you know, I don't know either. I, I know I've, I've never made long stands, even, in the day i just i just can't sit i get fidgety you know after about the 12 minute 13 minute mark 15 and i'm thinking about them which ones when we heard more howling where they're at and how, where i'm gonna set up on them and i don't know that's just probably the way i'm gonna keep doing it yeah well another factor too hey if you'd set if you'd stand make a stand in somewhere in the night and if you could stay there long enough probably a coyote would eventually walk by you anyway you know what i mean i'm <laughs> oh, not yeah. I'm trying to be rude or anything but yeah, there probably might be one cross out in front of that field i don't know i i don't know i i'm not gonna spend an hour on stand no. i ain't got the patience for that i'd I'd chew the cold can of Copenhagen by the time I get out of there. <laughs> well, I think another factor, too, that really comes into play here is, is the amount of land access you have. You know, you True. and I, oh, you, and yeah. I you, yeah. under, you and I understand the access game. I mean, it's all about we got to have hundreds and hundreds of places to call coyotes. You know what I'm saying? Um, yep. So we it's never an issue for us that we're going to run out of places to go that night. You know what I'm saying? We usually have more places to go that night than we could possibly hit, even making 10, 12 minute stands. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So yep. I think if you, if you, if your access was limited to some extent and maybe you only had enough places to make eight stands in a night. Okay. Does it do you good to go burn through those eight spots in 10 minutes a piece and be done by midnight? You know? Okay. So maybe yep. in those cases, maybe you do sit at each one of those spots for 25 minutes and, you know, it takes you all night to cover those eight spots instead of half a night, you know? Um, mm -hmm. so I can see yep. where that would come in. So it's just like in anything with coyoting to me, there's just so many variables involved to in everything for, for somebody just to give an exact answer. And for us to give an exact answer, it's tough sometimes. Yep. I'm sure them guys that stay, you know, longer, they get their, they, that probably works for them. But my, the other thing for me is I'm looking for them pissed off hard i don't want to i don't even enjoy calling a coyote it takes 15 minutes to get <laughs> in you know what i mean them ones that hang out there they're nervous about coming in you know what i mean i don't oh, yeah. even i don't even enjoy them coyotes so <laughs> hell i get impatient enough sometimes if they're just 
on a walk in. I'll I'll switch the sound just to see if I can get them to run in instead of walk in. (laughs) Yeah, me too. That's that's what it's all about for me. I want to see. I want to. I want to get run over by a coyote. Well, you and I've talked about this before about just you know. Sometimes we think coyotes are just some coyotes are just naturally more aggressive, more willing to come. You know, whatever it may be, right? I mean, with your experience you know, and what you do, you know, you, you kind of brought this to my attention that you think it just, it, it can, could just be that coyote, you know, some coyotes might just be timid like that. And we don't really oh, want to, yeah. we want to go after the aggressive coyotes, you know? Yep, definitely. My dad, my here, here's a little quick theory. My dad says it's going to happen to us. And I think I maybe told you this. So he says, we used to pheasant, hunt, you know, when I was growing up, we had all these pheasants. We'd be have our limit by noon on Saturday, and the guys would all be watching college football the rest of the afternoon, right? As I got older, the all the pheasants would fly out. You know, they wouldn't hold. You know what I mean? They, yeah. they'd, they'd fly out. As soon as we'd start hunting a patch of CRP, they'd all be flying out the other end of it. My dad says, well, it's because we shot all the ones that set, right? <laughs> And the genetics, all, all the only things that's left is them ones that fly out. And I said, "What's that got to do with the freaking calling coyotes?" He said, "You're gonna, you're gonna kill. You keep all you ever play is these vocals. You're gonna kill all the mean ones, and then none will come in because there ain't no fighters left because you bred it out, you killed it out of them." I'm like, "You're crazy." <laughs> so we'll see if that in about five years if the fights don't work for the coyotes then i'll know the old man was right it's kind of interesting if you really started thinking about it you know (laughs) your dad may be onto something man i i think he's full of crap about the pheasants too i just think (laughs) we don't have winter you know cold nasty snowy winters like we used to and it's warm you know we don't have the pheasants like we used to but I just think they're just not holding tight. He's blaming it on he, he's oversinking it. Well, as hunters, we do that pretty good. You know, we do like to overthink and like to put a lot of reasoning behind stuff that probably doesn't need reasoning. You know. Well, you got to, you when you don't call nothing in, you got to come up with some kind of an excuse. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> anything else on this night hunting stuff? Um, they think of it, people might find it interesting. Um, I was trying to rack my brain about that. You know, a couple of those hunts, you know, that night, you know, sound sequences, you, you know, you really didn't do anything different on the sound sequences. I mean, if we were day hunting, would you have done anything different? I mean, were you using us? I did have somebody ask me that question on the YouTube show. Were we using any different sound sequences because it was night? <clears throat> as opposed to what we would have been doing if we had been hunting during the day at that same time. Well, mostly vocals, you know, I think, but it's that time of the year, you know, they're getting paired up. They're starting to, the females are spotting a little blood. So that's what we do in the daytime. Anyway, I maybe, I maybe don't howl as much, you know, in the daytime, maybe just the first couple of stands, you know what I mean? In the last couple of stands, I might howl, lead off with howls. I know I did in Colorado, but that's, I, I, I don't know, not really. 
we did play, you know, Scooby Snack quite a bit, but I let off every stand with a howl, and I normally probably don't do that all day long in the day. Right? Yeah, I agree. You know, I don't usually do a lot of howling because it's windy. It's usually windy enough in the daytime that I can't hear him howl back anyway. So, you know, I'm kind of like, ah, why, why am I wasting my time? I'm doing yeah, well, that's in the daytime. They don't ever answer me back. So that's why I kind of feel like I'm wasting my time as well. But in the night, you, they howl back so much. I'm howling, leading off every stand with a howl. So I can, we can figure out where the next ones we're going to go set up on. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that brings up a good point. I get a lot of questions, and I'm sure you do too, about using howls to call in coyotes. Now, for me anyway, I don't know, and you can fill me in on your theory on this. For me, I don't use howling as a as a tool to actually call in coyotes per se. I use it more as a tool to kind of locate coyotes. If that makes sense. If if I if I play any coyote vocalizations, meaning a coyote howl when I'm on a stand, I'm not hoping the coyote's going to hear that and come running to the call. I'm hoping that coyote answers to give me an idea of where that coyote's coming from if he does show up or where he is if he doesn't come in where I can go maybe on the next end to kill him, would you, is your thought process the same or are you using vocals to maybe try to get a response and try to bring them into, into range to kill? It's probably more the same, like you're talking about, but I do have them, you know, especially in the night, I see them coming to Blondie long howl or whatever one I'm playing. They're already like that double. I told you about last Saturday that busted us in the full moon. They were coming to Blondie full tilt. And I don't know why <clears throat> I had to turn. I don't know. I don't know why I wouldn't have just left her howling, but I, I went ahead and turned a pup fight on. I don't remember what one. They, and I, I thought maybe it'd bring them a little faster because they weren't coming too quick. But I don't know. I'm I'm new to this night stuff, so I'm I'm not sure. I feel like, you know, some of them are coming to the house because they're mad that there's another coyote in that area that's why they're a lot of times why they would come anyway right you howl you turn on a pup fight are they coming to the pup fight or were they coming to the howl anyway i don't know yeah. for sure well yeah you and i've talked about this a lot too you know when you played that howl and those two coyotes that you just talked about came running across the field if you had to skip the howling all together and went right with a you name it you pup know fight. pup fight would those coyotes rabbit. have been doing the same damn thing, you know? A rat, yeah, a rat. Yeah, we just think. never, we never know, you know. We ain't gonna never know that answer, <laughs> I don't think. No, no, no. <laughs> I get, I get in the habit of playing the same exact. If if I'm calling stuff in with two or three, doing a sequence of two or three sounds, and it's working, I ain't gonna change. And then, then when it don't work for two or three stands, I'm going to totally change it up till I find something else. You know what I mean? But I, yep. I don't know. Yep. It ain't rocket science and there, there's no reason why, you know, why it does work one night, why it don't work right the next. You're never going to figure that stuff out. It's just, if you want to grind through it and keep going, I guess. I Persistence, don't know. persistence for sure. Yeah. You know, one thing at night I've noticed, too, a lot of coyotes. Do you notice a lot of these coyotes don't? I see just as many or more coyotes circling downwind, you know, and I almost is you think that's yeah. because they can't see 
as good. Maybe, I think and they, so. they feel like they're a little at a disadvantage. So they're, they're going to use their nose, not because they're smarter or educated or anything. It's just kind of, that's what they're wanting to do. I think so. I think they, yeah. And they, for sure, they, for sure are going to go for the wind in the night. And I think that you're right. They, they can't see that good. And they for sure what's, they want to smell what they're hearing and make sure it's not us. <laughs> <laughs> but you say that one cow does that. And then the very next cow comes running right into the call. It's just, uh, to me, that's what makes it fun. They're never two or ever the same. It seems like, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's true. You got a You got a point there for sure. <clears throat> what, uh, last thing we just like just oh, killing kite. That's what it's all about. That's right. Just whacking and stacking. <laughs> what uh, last thing i want to talk about how'd uh how'd you go about sighting in all your thermals i know there's a lot of there's a handful of different ways guys do it how, how'd you get all your stuff sighted in on your rifles well last year i was just using a hand warmer and i'm i'm the kind of a guy that if my gun ain't shooting dime groups i don't even want to you know what i mean i'm i like oh, shooting yeah. gun like target practicing i think people should shoot off their sticks instead of a bench with a bite. You know what I mean? But anyway, so I was using a hand warmer and then you got me on to filling an empty shotgun shell, cutting the plastic off of it, filling it, freezing it full of water. And that worked, that worked. Let me, I don't like shooting at a, a three or four inch target. Yeah. Yeah. But I want to shoot at something quarter. You know what I mean? So that, that helped a little bit. And that's kind of what I've been doing, that water deal. Also, I've got some, at the Nap, my Napa store, we got some, I don't know, I call it plumber's tape or that stainless, stainless tape. Oh, yeah. I'll cut yeah. a little square of that. And that shows up pretty well, too. But it still ain't to my satisfaction. I mean, I, I can't really shoot a group better than a quarter with a gun that I know will shoot dime size groups. So I don't know how we're ever going to get any better with that or not probably, but the damn hand warmer, you know, I'll put it up on the plywood hundred yards away, come shoot and go look by after 20 minutes, that thing's heated up the board, you know, now it's a, <laughs> yeah. the size of a, so you got to keep moving it. I, I don't know. I really, yeah, as far as everything we've talked about, that's what I don't like about the thermal. I just don't, don't think I'm ever going to be able to shoot a dime sized group with a gun. I know will do it. Well, and the thing that's frustrating to me too, sometimes about that is <clears throat> I think the scopes are good enough, you know, you know what I'm saying? The, the scope, the thermal yeah. scopes themselves are good enough to shoot that tight of groups. <clears throat> Like I said, it's just hard to really get an exact point to to center your crosshairs on every single shot, you know. So yeah, I mean, a gun that can shoot a half inch group, you're shooting inch and a half, two inch groups at a hundred now because you just can't get that perfect spot. You know, I try. Last time I tried it, I actually took a bunch of tin foil and cut just a little half inch little square in the tin foil, and then yeah. tape and thought, okay, I'm gonna tape the hand warmer behind it, so maybe only through that little square of tin foil. And I doubled up the tinfoil too, but that didn't, that didn't even work. It still heated up the tinfoil enough to where it was just a big two, three inch blob of heat, you know, from behind there. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that little trick was the shotgun shell and the ice. 
works pretty good. It's kind of hard to get when you zoom in to really, you know what I mean? It's the, exactly when you zoom it all. Yeah. It's like, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? I had a, I had a, on my shooting range, I have a, one of them staple guns down there, the staple up targets. I have a deck screw screwed in, right? To hold my staple gun up on the plywood. Yeah. So I went down there and stapled a hand warmer and I must not have stapled it good enough because it fell off. So I get it. I, it's dark and I get back up to my shooting bench. I get all ready and I can't, I'm like, okay, that ain't where I hung. I didn't, I'm like, I'm, I shot my staple gun because the hand warmer <laughs> fell off. And I, and I thought, cause it was a different shade, you know, that staple, that stainless, I, whatever it's made. Of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I knew, I knew it wasn't the right thing to be shooting at, but I was like, how could that be so big? It can't be that big already. So I, I ended up shooting my staple gun about three times, walked down there. I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely different. Yeah, you know, Warren, you Warren with Full Moon told me that filling up that shotgun shell with ice deal. He said yeah. cold, you know, cold doesn't radiate. You know, the coldness doesn't radiate out. You know, you're going to see more an exact um mm -hmm. temperature differential there you know where the heat radiates out so you get more of a halo around it and stuff yeah. like that so he said yeah anytime you can use super cold as a target base to shoot at you're gonna be better off maybe to get a little but more that, I, i've not enough times that when it's 38 degrees out i can't hardly see that that frozen that ice. shotgun yeah, that only works good for me if it's 55 degrees out in the afternoon. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. If it's almost freezing out, I can't hardly find that dang shotgun shell because I think it's too close to the same temperature. Yeah. Right? The struggles we have, you know. Oh, well, I just like wasting ammo. <laughs> I usually do that on stand. You don't have to do it at the range. Yeah, I do it on the range too. <laughs> uh, well, man, that was that was a fun hunt back in January. I'm I'm looking forward to doing it again. Uh, you you going to get after it here for the rest of the season, or are you going to wind down here over the next few weeks? Oh uh, no, I'm gonna. I want to get out there. I'm I'm gonna. I don't know, maybe four or five more times. I haven't been out west of Melton Bell since we went, so I would be able to really stack them up, you know, out there. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, I'm going to – been busy with the new Super Revolt. Got another big batch coming in here, hopefully, in the next 10 days. And that's – it takes longer for me to get one of them ready, you know, because it takes 10, 12 minutes when you add sounds to it. And I used to be able to, you know, get 10 – rough next ready in an hour now this super revolt i can only have four of them ready you know what i mean so when you yeah, sell yeah. pre-order sell 200 of them i do math on that how long it took me to get them ready oh yeah well hey at least you have calls you know if anybody's been looking for calls all fall and winter you know lucky duck predator calls well you have some now finally huh Yep. Yep. I got a bunch. Get on Verminator PC and order one, please. <laughs> oh yeah. This is going to take away from your night hunting. You just said that the more you sell it, the more you got to sit behind the computer and download sounds and things like that. 
Well, my wife would rather have me sell coals and be out mucking around in the night chasing coyotes, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> uh, what uh it uh what seems to be the sounds right now people buying some sounds lately it's been a couple of the the main ones they've been after some of your new ones uh blondie long how blondie fired up them are them are last year's female invitation five breeding battle for spit and piss little pup fight grave digger two and psyche cry fight two is also new is evil witches is that come is that one is that an extra one or does that come standard on any of them any of the lucky duck calls uh, i it it's i put it when you buy a call from me it'll be it'll be in rick's favorites it's one of mine that i've sent a lot of people have but yeah, it, that's... i think i think it's it don't it is on the super revolt in the breeding stuff gotcha that's you what like I, people ask me yeah i really like evil witches um a lot of people ask me that all the time. Hey, what sound? I'm going to go buy some sounds from Rick. What should I get? And I'm like, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't even know exactly which ones come on all the calls. And to be completely honest with you, I'm still using stuff. You know, I don't use a whole lot of the new stuff because the old stuff continues to work, you know. So oh, yeah. it's good, yeah. good to have you on here to kind of tell what some of your new stuff is, some, some of the sounds that guys are really liking and, and stuff, because I just honestly don't go that deep into some of those folders a lot of times. Yep. You can, when you, when you're on my site, you can, when you click on one of the calls, it'll show a sound list down there on the bottom. You can click on it and see every sound that comes on as standard. So, but the super revolts got 200 on it, you know, a yeah, lot yeah. of, it's got a lot on it already. So that's 50 more. That's 50 more than what the roughneck has. So yeah, yep. I mean, you added mm -hmm. on 51. Yeah. That's, that's a good deal there. Yeah, I don't know why you'd need any more sounds, actually. <laughs> hey, you're not supposed to say that. They're supposed to have every single one, right? Yeah, they, <laughs> I'd like that. But that ain't, I don't know. Some people, hey, I have a guy guy that's had a little trouble getting sounds on his Super Revolt, and he told me, he said, I, I did, you can only have 32 folders, right? And I'm like, hey, yeah, no, you can't have any more than 32 folders. I only got about five or six on mine. Oh but that's all right. You can have 32 folders. I said, how many, what, what do you all, he said, I got 1600 sounds. Jeez. <laughs> oh, how in the hell? Well, how would you look through all that anyway? I don't, I don't understand it sometimes, but yeah, I can't even keep track of a hundred on there. How alone if I had 1600 on a call to look through, man, that would be, that'd be crazy. I think they're oversinking it. Yeah. But that to each his own. That's right? exactly right. Well, if you'd like to add 1,600 sounds onto your uh, call, go to verminatorpc.com. Yeah. Do you even, ha do you even have that many in your sound library yet? No. Uh -uh. Oh, no. no. <laughs> Probably a thousand, I guess. I don't know. A thousand? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, if people would take our remote, when we're really hunting hard and trying to be serious, right? If yeah. they take your remote and my remote and some and guys that kill like TRs kill 100 plus coyotes a winter i know you killed three times that right all right my my i got a folder that says howls right and there's about five in it i shouldn't even be saying this because i'm trying to sell <laughs> okay then i got got one that says fights and there's five or six seven and then i got one that says odd shit 
and I got a folder that says pray distress and there's five or seven in it. And that's all that's on my call. How about you? Tell the truth. Yeah, I, I have them all. I mean, I, I probably have, there might be 120, maybe if that, well, not even that. Cause I got rid of some of the other ones. And so maybe I have a hundred, but I have a folder that I labeled, you know, light wind. I have a folder. I label heavy wind. I have a folder. I labeled fights. I have a folder that's labeled hung up and, you know, like I said, I use the same yep. two or three prey distress sounds, lucky pecker and a couple of the other ones. I use the same two or three pup distresses, the same two or three fights. And then my hung up folder, it has about 20 sounds in it. And that's the folder. Any, you know, you have those coyotes that sit out there yeah, and, and yep. look at you and you start rolling through sounds, rolling through sounds. And maybe on the fifth sound, maybe yep. on the eighth sound here, sudden, all of a sudden here it comes, you know, well, I make mm -hmm. a little mental note and I go home and if that sound wasn't in that folder called hung up, I put it in that folder. So then if I ever get a coyote that hangs up, I just go right to that folder yep. and it's got 15, 20 different sounds in it that have ever worked. But yeah, I mean, now, I'm talking about like, like when we were filming, you know, and that's what I had. Cause I didn't want to have to be fumbling or, you know what I mean? But oh, when yeah, I'm yeah. with, when I'm out, like with my dad, my family or my friends that not trying to be serious, I got, oh, I got a bunch of crap. I'm playing that. I'm trying to find something, you know, that might be something unique and work better. But yeah, I don't, I don't know about having thousands of sounds on your call, but I suppose, I suppose, you know, some guys want that well, i guess yeah. well there might be some advantage you might find some play some stuff that nobody else is playing you know yeah, true that is the key all right then well buddy well i appreciate you being on the podcast as always keep after it mm -hmm. or i'm going to be heading yep. to texas here in a couple weeks I, hopefully you can make it we got one last filming run to make yeah we'll but see how it all unfolds here the next we'll couple weeks the, the call production and goes yep. and things like that but if not We'll sure miss you down there. That'll be for sure. Yeah, no, I would <laughs> definitely love to go down there. That would be fun. So if you don't, if you don't want Rick to go to Texas, get on his website, verminatorpc.com and start ordering up e-calls right now. So he's so busy that he's got to <laughs> fill all these orders. <laughs> I got uh, over a hundred, over a hundred super revolts already sold. That's good, man. That's a great get, call. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be a good one. If you haven't seen that yet, get on Rick's website and check yep. it out. It is cool. It is cool. Yep. Well, before we get I off here, I appreciate it if you did. Like I said, I want to thank you, Rick, for being on here again. Check out his website, verminatorpc.com. Lucky Duck Predator calls. You can look at his sound library. You can listen to those sounds. Check out some new sounds. You get a thousand sounds on your call. That's how you do it. Yep. <clears throat> Let's do it. <clears throat> also, want to thank Sig Sour Optics. Now, this is one thing, Rick. You I just finally got that stuff mounted up. You haven't seen it yet, but that little Bluetooth system on that BDX system they got and Bluetooth connection to the scope and the rangefinder. It's it's similar now to your Burris that you shoot with the red dot showing up on the, you know, um, mm -hmm. but it's just not yep. quite obviously a big bulky, you know, scope and things like that. So I'm I'm anxious to I haven't shot it out past 350 yet. Um, but uh so far it seems to be uh quick and fast and and dead on. So excited to do that. So yeah curious to check it out but if you're in in the market for any new optics check them out uh six hour optics also want to thank uh lucky duck predator calls and swagger bipods obviously we can't do this without these sponsors and uh 
uh, takes time and effort to bring you guys this stuff. So thank them. And once again, thanks to Eastman's for putting this all together. But uh, until next time, we'll catch you here on the Eastman's Predator Pros podcast.